It's time for JT the Brick. I love my job. I love the opportunity that I can come in here and talk to the Raider Nation. Put some respect on JT the Brick's name. The plan was to get this roster with this new regime. They were not keeping this roster, my friend. Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels was not keeping the roster they inherited from Mayock and Gruden and before that. And there were going to be changes, and we told you. Are you with me on that? Excuses die. The record stands. JT the Brick. That's it. That's all we've been telling you all year if you've been listening. They have a plan. I'm not saying it's going to work. It's going to be 100%. But I'm behind the plan. The plan is to get it up to speed where it's really good for a long period of time. You are what your record is. Sound off like you got a pair. And now. JT, the man to miss the legend. Here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you on a beautiful day throughout the Raider Nation on Raider Nation Radio. 9.20 a.m. And I just tweeted out right this second at JT the Brick. How you can listen on the Raiders mobile app, which I believe is the best sports radio app in America. No disrespect to WFAN and other stations, KNBR in San Francisco. We got an app where you just go to the Raiders mobile app and click on the radio and everything's live. It's not 10 minutes delayed. It's, it's live. It works perfectly because of the power of the Raiders and their digital team. They set it up. I played a big role in that to make sure that was up and running because I only wanted to do a radio show with the Raiders that was national. All due respect to Vegas. I love Vegas. I love 920 AM. It wouldn't have worked for me unless that app was live and people could hear me in Fort Lauderdale, London, New York, Dallas, Texas, San Jose, and Seattle. So my mental mindset every day needs to be I'm on the radio everywhere. When you've been doing this 26 years, love the podcasts. Love the YouTube pages, but when I go on the radio, I need to pretend it's really big because that's what motivates me. Maybe someone new is listening for the first time, or maybe someone who loves this show better than what the crap they have on in their local market says, hey man, I can listen to JT, rip through the 20-minute monologue, and get up to date on sports. So I am energized today. I had conversations inside the building today of the Raiders that really matter to me, some for radio, some for not. And I'm energized for the NFL draft because I think this is the most. I'm always excited for the NFL draft. Come on. I mean, you're not excited for the NFL draft. They handed me the card with Mr. Davis in the room. They handed me the card 10 feet away saying Sebastian Janikowski. That's my favorite story ever on the draft. Sitting outside the war room with George Atkinson and Artie Gigantino. And someone comes out and hands me the card before the pick. Before the pick on radio, and I look at it, and I look at George Atkinson and Artie Gigantino, and I turn the card around, and they go, whoa, Sebastian Janikowski in the first round. That's how far back I go with the Raiders in the draft. Uh, We will not be taking a kicker in this draft. I can promise you that that's the only guarantee I have today, that there will not be a kicker taken in the first or seventh round as Daniel Carlson's one of the greatest scorers, points leads the team in points more than Devontae every year. And we got one of the best kickers and best punters, A.J. Cole, who just got married. Congratulations to A.J. Do you understand how loaded this team is on special teams? You get that? That's something they don't have to preach from the Patriots here. They have the special teams locked in. I know some are offended because you lost your long, long snapper. I get it. Again, some people are offended every day when the sun comes up. But this special teams unit, with the additions that they made, big ones, are going to help the Raiders have hopefully an elite special teams, not average, an elite special teams, because DeAndre Carter was added to the roster recently. 
and he's an elite special teams player. Now, they've taken the foot out of football. They have. Even if you watch the XFL, the USFL, they don't want anybody colliding anymore. They don't want to have guys run 60 yards and tackle everyone because we're living in a society today where everybody's scared. Everybody's afraid to step off the curb because they might break their ankle. Everybody's afraid to play back-to-back NBA games because, I don't know, they might pull a hamstring. I don't know. Everybody in society today is afraid of getting injured. Well, so in special teams, you got to have a great punter. you got to have a great kicker. The Raiders have that, and they brought back one of the best return guys out there, and we know Hunter can do that. They got the best wide receiver in football and the leading rusher in the league. They got a pure winner in Jimmy Garoppolo, a guy who wins games when he comes out of the tunnel. Jacoby Myers, they have two oversized big tight ends who maybe their best years are behind them, and O.J. Howard and Hooper, maybe not. Maybe one of them has a good year. They're going to be available. One of the two are going to be available more than the other. That's a solid position for the Raiders, and the Raiders might get a tight end later in the draft. The offensive line has Colt Miller as the anchor. They decided to go with Andre James, who's a decent player. He's not a pro bowler, and they got a very good young building block in Dylan Parham. He's starting Dave Ziegler's first-ever draft pick is Dylan Parham. He's not going anywhere. He's starting. Now they got to figure out right guard and right tackle, and I think they could figure it out in the draft here. They might even go balls out and take a a tackle first. This Paris Johnson and others, I'm starting to hear they're climbing up the mock draft boards. And then they got a great fullback in Jakob who's really good. So the offense is set, in my opinion. We don't have to talk about the offense on this show for two more weeks. Hallelujah. Praise, praise. We don't have to talk about it because of the depth of Philip Dorsett and what Dorsett can do as a speed burner down the sidelines. Hunter Renfro, Hunter Renfro, who is here today, and to see the depth that they have at the position. This Cam Sims who came over looks like Tarzan, man. This guy looks like a beast. He'll make some plays for you too. So maybe a piece on the offensive line and leave everything else alone. I don't need you to touch the offense. I don't need you to call on the offense. I'm good until after the draft. Now, the only thing that would be alarming to me if the Raiders use one of their first two picks on the offensive side of the football. The only way I would see the Raiders doing this is a quarterback to park for the future, which I am not a fan of, but I'll get behind because he'll be the new face of the franchise. Maybe I'll be the guy that brokers the Jimmy G conversation. I'll go in and say, hey, Jimmy, come here. I got to tell you the news. We got Anthony Richardson or Will Levis. You're going to play great this year, but play even better than you thought because these two guys are going to be playing next year. So I don't want to have that conversation with Jimmy G. We had a great first conversation. It went perfectly. I'd like to see Jimmy G anchor this team for two years. And then we go big on defense. So Mad Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, who's a big dude, man. You see his brother, John Bone Jones, when he comes out of the tunnel, Chandler Jones completely healthy. He's a badass, and he's got a lot to prove around here. Will the Raiders go with another defensive addition on the line? Yeah, Jalen Carter could drop to seven. He might be the best defensive tackle taken in the draft since Aaron Donald. Could they take an edge rusher? Possibly. I'd go cornerback with Gonzalez over Witherspoon. I'd go with him, but either way, if they take a corner at seven and don't move, I'll be thrilled. And then they bring in Epps at safety. He's going to start. He played 20 games last year. 
I got Raider fans going, who, who do we got at safety? What do you mean? We got Marcus Epps. He started 20 games, all 17, and he played in the Super Bowl. He's your starting safety. I don't know if he's going to take Trayvon Merrick's position or they're going to have a three-rotation set, but I think they're okay at safety. Merrick is a decent center fielder. He's like a Bernie Williams. Bernie Williams isn't going to the Hall of Fame, but Bernie Williams caught every ball. Every fly ball to the warning track. That's what Merrick does. Merrick's got to be a better ball hawk. We can't put Merrick out there just to take up one of the 11. He's got to make some plays. And then everybody seems to be wondering about the cornerback position, which I am confused with. Because Amik Robertson, Brandon Faison, uh, I mean, they don't do it for me. I'm friends with Mike Haynes and Lester Hayes. I need guys like that. So that's why I like Gonzalez coming in from Oregon because I can pencil him in as a day one starter. So if you get a cornerback and a starting defensive tackle in the first two picks, I can take my scratch sheet here, which you've seen before, and I can put two new starters in on defense, and then I could add guys like Tillery, Spillane, Epps, Nate Hobbs, Chandler Jones, Mad Max Crosby, And I'm looking around going, whoa, man, maybe Divine Diablo will pop. Maybe something will happen with him, but I'll have six to seven confirmed defensive starters if I can get a corner and a defensive tackle in the first two freaking picks and they start. Then I don't need 11 more guys. I got depth on special teams. I got depth at wide receiver. I got depth in the running back room. I got depth at quarterback with Brian Hoyer who's a great break-the-glass emergency quarterback because he's, he's playing a McDaniel system, and then what do I need? Okay, let's get down to this topic. I need two more linebackers. Ooh, that's hard because we just lost a pretty good one who played really good here, Perryman. So we need two linebackers. Uh, Jordan Willis coming off the edge seems to be a good backup defensive end here. So I need two corners, which I'm going to get one with the seventh pick overall on the JT mock draft. I'm going to get a defensive tackle. So when I look at Jenkins or Butler or Tillery, I better get a guy better than those guys. I'll say that on the record. You better get a guy in the first or second round who are better than our starting defensive tackles. As I've always said, the Jelly Ellis era is over around here. You better get me a guy in the middle, not Jonathan Hankins. I need a younger, athletic, more fit, more younger and fit explosive player. So get me that at defensive tackle in the first three picks. They'll get it for us. Then we get the corner, and then I think we're good because we got the corner. I don't need two starting corners in the draft. I need one. I need a linebacker somewhere. I have to get a linebacker, but I can get that on cutdown day from another team. But we haven't been good at that other than Perryman. You know, we brought in some linebackers recently, none of them anywhere close to Greg Beekert. So we got to get someone who can play. And then other than that, uh, the, the birth of Nate Hobbs is a big topic for me. One of the big things I've been talking about, two of them this offseason, is Josh Jacobs being better than I expected. I don't have to apologize for that. I didn't think he'd lead the league in rushing. He did. So we need another year out of him on the franchise tag or a contract. He's got he's to get us 1,600 again. Sorry, Josh. You've got to get us 1,500. Got to get us Derek Henry type, and we're a different team. As a season ticket holder, we're a different team. If I can lean on the running back to get 1,500 yards, that's pretty damn good with Devontae, Hunter, and Myers working off a play action. That's damn good with Jimmy G, who can make all the right decisions. So I'm good on offense, but you got to fill up the defense with starters. So if you trade up to park a quarterback and lose a second-round pick, whoa, whoo, I don't know about that. 
But then again, I was on the phone today. And you could tell why I'm standing up and why I'm excited. So the Raiders have the ability. There are some in the Raider Nation who are like, oh, my God, it's, it's just ugly. We're going to win four games. You could be right. I don't know. Maybe we're, maybe we're another year out. I don't think so because of the offense. Then you got some in the Raider Nation like me saying, well, prove it. Go get some defensive starters. I just heard JT's monologue. First 10 minutes brought to you by PT's best happy hour in town. It makes sense. Get us two to three defensive starters, and then we're pretty good. But the key to the monologue with the paper here is these other guys that Raider Mort just called guys, why the hell are they in the building unless they're going to pop? Okay, I got a whole bunch of guys. Duke Shelley, Tyler Hall, uh, Bryce Cosby, Sam Webb, Brandon Faison, Amik Robertson, David Long Jr. I need one or two of these guys to be really good and be on the upswing. Unlike Littleton and Kwiatkowski, who are disasters, and they were penciled in to have an impact on this team. They were terrible. We can't have a Cleveland Farrell, who we love Clee. Good guy. We can't have another miss like Clee Farrell, number four overall. You can't draft Christian Gonzalez, number seven, and three years from now you're going, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's like, he's like DJ Hayden. We, 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 he's Gary and Connolly. Can't have that. Guy's got to be good. You got Witherspoon and Gonzalez. Get the right one. And then I'm looking at, at this as the glass half full because of the kicking game, the punter, and the head coach being comfortable with the quarterback more than he was last year and the offense being run more efficiently. The whole reason for optimism, even the most negative fans throughout the Raider Nation, is this. You have to buy in that the offense is going to be more efficient, even if you're a Derek Carr fan. I'm a Derek Carr fan. I think Derek Carr is a really good player. You have to buy in that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be healthy and more efficient than Derek Carr. And if he's not, take it out on me. Take it out on me, like which you often do. <laughs> you often do that, and I'll be fine with that. But you got to buy into that. Devontae, Garoppolo, Josh Jacobs, Jacoby Myers, you got to say that's good enough with another addition on the offensive line. And now let's scrub the defense, clean out the whiteboard on the third floor, get Patrick Graham in front of the whiteboard and say, Patrick, we just had this draft for you. What the hell are you going to do to get these guys positioned so they don't play soft football like they did last year? There were grown-ass men on that defense who were making millions of dollars and couldn't cover anybody. The middle of the field was open between 10 and 15 yards. Bishop Gorman receivers could have run crossing routes and been open. That's got to get cleaned up. And I believe that Dave Ziegler will clean that up with Patrick Graham, who was the head coach of the Senior Bowl, saw a whole bunch of defensive players and better be off to the races and getting us more. So that's what I got. Match my energy right there. Open it up. All I'm doing the rest of the week is talking about need, not talking about the player. Talking about what you believe in the Raider Nation is the number one need for the team with the first round. That's it. I don't want your third-round pick. No one cares about your sixth-round pick. I don't care. You don't care about mine. Give me need in the first round. And from what I've been noticing over the last couple of weeks, prepping for the draft is that we're all divided with that. We're all over the ice. We're, we're a mess. We're a mess. And if you listen to our lineup, which is great, we all have different opinions. Vinny, Q, myself, Heidi, Clay, whoever, whoever you're listening to on this lineup, we all have different opinions. Some want a quarterback. Some want a defensive tackle. I want a corner. You know, everybody, maybe we'll get the offensive lineman. It'll be right this time. So let's turn it over to you, who I am uh, smart enough to know 
might know more than I do. You've been a Raider fan longer than I, or you're a Raider fan longer than some of our other hosts. What do you believe is the decision that Dave Ziegler, not the player, but when Dave is looking at the draft board, and anything could happen, it could be trade-ups. If Dave doesn't trade back and he stays at seven, what do you believe is the position group that he'll target with that first pick? He listens to the show. I'm very proud of that. Uh, he's not going to make his decision because of what you call in or what I say, but he listens to the show. So let's get this thing going. All I ask for is that this radio station pretend to be a top 32 NFL radio station, that we do NFL radio year-round. And I got two NBA guests today because I'm not doing all NFL today. I am not. Uh, The NBA playoffs start. That's bigger than the dead zone two weeks before the draft. But I lead with the Raiders, and I lead with the draft to get Raider fans involved. Then I'm going to pivot to a sports radio show with the Golden Knights having to punch the Kraken and knock the Kraken out because Edmonton's flying behind them. Baseball is underway. Uh, we got a 10-0 and team in Tampa Bay, 10-0. and That's legit right there. So there's a lot happening in sports, and I'm excited about that. So I want everybody to be excited about the draft. You could come hard right now today with your best draft call, or you could wait till next week. But the call to action today is to give me the position that you and the Raider Nation would like to see taken care of first it really is a great topic and the best topic for Raider fans where do you want to go you know, don't don't give me something generic oh trade back and wait for the next two picks no that's not that's not radio that's generic I need specific fans who are season ticket holders travel the world to go see this team tell me the position group that you think is the biggest mess actually no other way to sugarcoat it The position group that you say, hey, man, I'd rather not go there, but we have no choice. We have to go blank. What is the blank? 702-365-9200. As the show started 18 minutes ago, we're ready to hear from you if you want to jump in on that, and we'll get rolling here. Uh, Damon Bruce will join us. Uh, Damon is either a friend or an enemy. I'm a friend. or All I did was great things in the Bay Area on radio. I'm so proud of my career in the Bay Area. And I got some people that want to run me off the channels because I talk Raiders when they wanted me to talk San Francisco Giants and Niners. I should have a statue out front of 95-7 the game for what I did for the Raider fans compared to the crap that they put on the Raider fans as the flagship station. Well, Damon's going to join us at the top of the hour. He was let go by that station for no reason at all, had the highest ratings, he was the best host, and now he's building a new platform and I want to help him launch it with all of us because he's a really good talk show host. And in radio, we either all like each other or hate each other. It's all it's such an ego-based business, man. Thank God my wife. My wife doesn't know me as JT. She knows me as John. And she kind of has me decompress after these radio shows five hours a day. But I like to talk to radio guys. George Sedano on the NBA. He's working the NBA broadcast. Big gig for him. He's on the Pelicans game coming up. And we'll talk about the Warriors and what the Warriors need to do because – There's a lot of people that think the Warriors can win it all. How could you think the Warriors can win it all? They sucked this year. They were terrible. They were awful this year. How dare you think the Warriors can win it all? The Warriors won a combined 11 road games, and the last two, the 10th and 11th, both teams quit. Sacramento didn't play their starters, and Portland didn't play their starters. It's like tanking, and the Warriors win, and everybody's like, okay, man, get the parade route going. I don't mind if the Warriors win the championship, but I'm a Knicks fan. And just like the Patriots, for all you people that hate the Patriots still, 
When I was on the radio the last 20 years, I didn't want to see the Patriots win anymore. They already won three, four, five, and six. I was saying, hey, man, let's halt this thing. I didn't want Kansas City to win or Denver, but I was sick and tired of the Patriots winning, and they became a dynasty. So with the Warriors, I feel the same way. If you're a Warrior fan, I get it. But most of the country aren't Warrior fans. We don't want to see Draymond Green get his fifth ring. I don't. I, I don't. But a lot of Warrior fans are drinking the Kool-Aid. Like all of a sudden, they're just going to beat Sacramento, beat the Lakers, go beat Denver, and they're going to be in the conference finals. They might be. But I don't know. I watched a lot of their games this year, and they were terrible. I mean, they mailed it in. Uh, but maybe that's the new future of sports. Mail in the regular season. Get in. Just get in. Mail in the regular season. And then just find a way to kind of go out there and get it done. So that's where we're at. 20 minutes into the show. Could have been a good day. Good day today to take off. But I decided to go and kick ass in the monologue waiting for your response. Call to action again. Simply this. What position group should the Raiders target with the seventh pick overall? 702-365-9200. Again, there's a brand new PT's Durango. And Flamingo, it's a great hockey vibe. I'm launching it tonight for everybody listening, our partners at Golden Entertainment, all of our great friends at PTs. They got a brand new location here. It's going to be awesome to watch Golden Night Hockey. Why don't you come by tonight, PTs Gold, their newest location, 136-inch screen for the Vegas Golden Knights. And Vegas has got to get going here. 702-365-9200 as we begin the show. JT on a gorgeous day absolutely feeling like the summer is upon us right here on the flagship of the Silver and Black Raider Nation Radio. One of the tougher, uh, toughest games we've had this year, just uh, you know, coming off the road trip, and even though this is a road game, you know, just um, you know, getting back, you know, late last night, but after an overtime game, and you know, it was a tough game for us. Obviously, we started off in the first half, and also playing Laker basketball, we had some good spurts, but uh, not enough. So this is one of those uh, those scheduling conflicts, you know, in the season, and uh, definitely got the best of us tonight. That's LeBron, as LeBron could save the NBA. How could LeBron save the NBA? Well, by delivering the Lakers into the second round of the playoffs. Isn't it amazing how the mighty have fallen? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe Bryant, and the great Magic Johnson. Do you think that they would ever play in a play-in tournament? A loser's bracket? (laughs) Can you imagine if Kareem and Magic were pulled into a room saying with about a month to go, hey, we're probably going to miss the playoffs, but the commissioner is going to give us a chance and have a loser's bracket, and if we win those games, they'll let us into the last spot in the playoffs. It's exactly what's happening today. Happened in our lifetime, and I think Charles Barkley and Jordan and Magic and Bird would say the same thing. No. If we weren't good enough to make the playoffs, we do not want to play in your silly bracket tournament for the losers. For the losers. What's the optimism? Because it's good for gambling, because the gamblers have something to bet on which is important, and it's good for television because when you rip off TNT two nights a week and you turn on TNT with Shaq and Ernie and Kenny the Jet and Barkley and they're breaking down a game and two of the starters aren't playing in the game, Chris Paul or Paul George, and they need payback. So the, uh, the, the league, the NBA, went to their broadcast partners and said, we'll come up with this stupid, silly loser's bracket tournament and we'll give you a couple extra games. That's exactly what this is. There's no other way to spin it. 
Also, you want a hot topic today? The biggest topic in the NFL by far is YouTube came out with their subscription package. So please pull over if you're driving. I'll give you 10 seconds to pull over. Pull over if you're driving, and please keep both hands on the wheel if you are driving. Today, according to Ari Mirov, YouTube announced its pricing for NFL Sunday ticket. YouTube TV subscribers, $349 for the season, $249 if you purchase before June 6th. All right, here's the big one. $389 if you bundle with Red Zone. All right, so you bundle it with Red Zone. You get every game plus the Red Zone channel for $389. But here's the big one. Non-YouTube TV subscribers which includes my dad, my brother-in-laws, everybody you know. You might have YouTube and subscribe to it. The majority, not most, the majority of America does not subscribe to YouTube. Listen to this number. 449 for the season, 349 if you subscribe early, and $489 with Red Zone. So I did some deep diving today on this topic, and most people are telling me the same thing, that if you have YouTube already, and you subscribe early, that $249 price isn't bad. So I have YouTube, and I have DirecTV. I'm going to get rid of DirecTV, so my wife makes the rules here. I don't make any of them. My wife's going to get rid of DirecTV, which is like taking a bottle away from a baby who needs a bottle every day. How am I going to even survive without DirecTV? I know every channel. I know every channel. 206 is ESPN. I got my Yes Network and all that. So she convinced me we're going to drop DirecTV, we're, we have YouTube, and we're going to have to learn how to watch TV on YouTube. For a guy in his mid-50s, that's not hard for me to do, but it's a pain in the ass. So I want to know from you if you're going to buy into this. Because if the NBA tried to pull this crap, everyone would be like, double birds, we're not doing this. We don't like the NBA. But the NFL's got you gripped. NFL's got the grip. Now, the Raiders, if you're a season ticket holder, I don't know what their package is going to be. And we'll try to make it work. But what do you all think about that new price package today? Because if you want to watch the NFL the way we all like to watch it, you've got to subscribe to YouTube. And before June 6th, you get a major discount. You're going to have to come up with that money before June 6th. And that's a big number, right, for some people there. Remember, a lot of people in this country don't have six big screen TVs. They don't. We forget that at times. We think that everybody's got a TV by the pool, a TV in their restroom. <laughs> that's not the way it works here. And if you're a bar owner listening to me, how do you feel about these prices and the fact that you're probably going to take direct TV out and now have to position your bars for YouTube TV? I'd like to get a couple of calls on that as we open up the show. Uh, let's begin with Kevin, uh, Kelvin, excuse me, in San Francisco. Kelvin, how are you? Start us off. Good, JT. Uh, thanks for the call. Just wanted to answer your question from earlier on position group in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, going hard defense line with that first pick, even if they have to trade up a few spots to get it. Um, ideally sit there for actual player, Jalen Carter. We don't know about the background. Hopefully the Raiders do their investigative work properly with that. Will Anderson, I'm by no means a scout, just uh, mm. a YouTuber, right? Yeah. YouTube late at night watching, watching film. Will Anderson Jr. is there. I uh, would love that pick. Um, I, I know you're not a big trade back guy. If those mm. two players aren't there, I wouldn't mind moving back. Um, I'm curious your thoughts on the cornerback. I know mm. you – are talking about you like Gonzalez and getting a cornerback. Mm-hmm. My philosophy is on that is it seems most of these teams, Niners, Eagles, 
they're building their defenses from the inside out. They get yeah. the line and then they get the corners. I'm not hearing exactly Gonzalez being the next Charles Woodson or Deion Sanders. Can, can a cornerback really change the defense? Just curious yeah. what your thoughts are and philosophy is Excellent. on that. Thanks. Excellent phone call. Thank you. Thanks for starting us off. Well, first off, uh, Devon Weatherspoon, Witherspoon or Gonzalez are the two cornerbacks. Those are the two elite ones. I'm good with either one of them. I've seen enough tape. I've seen their size, their ability, their tackling ability, and what they can do breaking up passes that I think it's a priority. I mean, you got to go back to Eric Allen. Obviously, Charles Woodson was a freak. He could play safety and corner. You can't compare everybody to the Hall of Famer. We had Mike Haynes, Lester Hayes, who should be in the Hall of Fame, Skip Thomas, Dr. Death. We had safeties like Tatum and Atkinson. We've had some great players around this organization, but we haven't had a great defensive tackle since Daryl Russell who was taken from us way too early. We just swing and miss at that position all the time. And we always have plug-and-play guys, and it ends up killing us. So I I don't want to see that. So in regards to the players that could be left, you know, Tyree Wilson, the edge rusher out of Texas Tech, seems to be the hot name, the senior there. Long edge rusher, excellent explosiveness, but you're on the hook for Chandler Jones. So I don't think that's a priority. So my priority goes to defensive tackle, And that leads us to Jalen Carter again. And no team is considering him as the number one pick overall because the stock is dropping, but it shouldn't drop from a reckless driving and racing charge where two people were killed. He wasn't in the car that killed him, but two people were killed in that racing charge. I don't know how you sit down with the kid and figure out if he's a bad kid or not. He seems like he was a good kid at Georgia, put on a little bit of weight after the combine. I don't knock him for that. If I was about to make you know, $30 million, I'd probably put on a few pounds after my combine, but he knew he had a big pro day coming up. So we're going to see what happens here. But I think these two corners at number seven are great. Now, if none of the corners are off by seven, say we get to number seven and Witherspoon and Gonzalez are both there, then Dave Ziegler knows he could trade back to 9, 10, 12, and maybe get one of them. But I don't think many teams are going to let these two corners get out of the top. And the best edge rusher is Jalen Carter, and he has some major question marks around here that they're going to have to make sure that they're all cleaned up. And if they're all cleaned up in their opinion, then I'm good with this. I'm confident that these guys will be able to clean this up. They'll be able to talk and figure it out. But, man, there's risk behind these players. I'm also hearing Paris Johnson. You could trade back and get the tackle, the perfect size, the quickness, out of Ohio State and get him. And Broderick Jones, the Georgia tackle there's some big tackles there and the Raiders have avoided one of their tackle positions these are big decisions that have to be made I'd go defensive tackle or my pick is already in my pick is already in I'm going corner so I have a week or two to tell you which corner and I'm leaning towards Gonzalez out of Oregon as we get rolling here hardcore Raider good to hear from you what's happening Hey, JT, good, uh, thanks for taking my call Thank uh, you. real quick before uh, I kind of give my take on something I just want to say, like, you know, uh, the Patriots West and, like, what the Raiders have done in the past, what we've done in the past obviously hasn't worked, okay? But to some degree, like, I really hope just no matter what happens, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm big on a quarterback and a hinted hooker for several reasons. I think it's a value pick, and I think you can get an extra uh, second-round pick. And I, then I think, you know, if you get, you know, two studs in the second round and then the third round, maybe some of those guys are develop, developmental guys. But I just think that would really help uh, this team – go a long way in the future but nevertheless like 
something I thought about for years, even before the move from Oakland to Vegas, is mm-hmm. what does it mean to be a Raider? Because uh, I've always thought that that philosophy is really important because, mm-hmm. you know, the Raider franchise is different than other franchises. You know, I don't, you know, want to go like to the area of blaming refs for certain things, but to be a Raider is different than other teams. Uh, it just mm-hmm. is. So to me, it's like no matter who we get, and, and I hope Ziegler and Josh like adapt this to understand what it means to be a Raider and that, yeah. that grinding type attitude um, from the Max Crosby to Josh Jacobs to Devontae Adams, guys that really want to be here. They want to help the Raiders and they want to grow and they're willing to grind it out and do whatever it takes to get the franchise over this dark cloud that's just haunted us for Mm -hmm. so long. And it takes a different kind of mentality, in my opinion, of of a guy that you're going to bring in the organization that's going to have that mentality. And so whatever they get, I just hope that they have that Raider mentality, me against the world. Yeah, I would hope they would, too. Thanks for the call. Look, the Raiders' past is glorious, but not their recent past. Over the last 20 years, the Gannon-Lincoln-Kennedy era, as I call it, both friends of the show. The history of the Raiders and their past was from their first-ever game to their last game of this season. Everybody in the building knows that. If you've been to the stadium on the tour or if you've been in Henderson to the building, all it is is about the glory of the Raiders. That will never leave this franchise Mark Davis loves the alumni and the stories of the past. There is so much coming out on the past of the Raiders by the Raiders department that they have in-house that are putting together documentaries and all this great production. You won't believe it. I'm privy to that. It's incredible. It's NFL films worthy, if not better. So we know the past. These two gentlemen, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler, come from the recent past of greatness with the Patriots. Their eyes recently have seen winning at a much higher level than the Raiders in the mid-2000s through this past decade. Everybody needed fresh eyes on this product and on this organization. And that's what they're doing from a football perspective, is they're trying to find the right players that can come in and understand the respect that the Raiders have to their alumni and their players and the community, right? Mark Davis, you get interviewed to be a Raider, they ask you, what are you going to do in the community? What are you going to do with your personal life? But now we got to get guys in here who are faster, more explosive, and smarter on the defensive side. So, look, everybody's going to know the history of the Raiders. That's not going anywhere. That's why that stadium is so cool. All the artwork, all the history, and all that. Now we just need to find badass players who can start. I, I just, I'm fine with it here and everywhere. I just am sick on the radio of talking about backups and developmental players. It's not my thing. It's not my thing. Put a scout on to talk about that. Put a scout on to talk about the third pick, the third tight end. I don't, I don't do it. I only got two hours a day here. I want to play the hits. I want to do the biggest show I can do every day. So when everybody's writing their columns the day before they do roster cutdowns and they're trying to figure out who the sixth receiver is going to be, that's not my lane. I welcome that sixth receiver in, whoever it is. Keelan Cole, whoever it is. I welcome them in, but I'm not spending two months trying to figure that out. I'm going to spend two months trying to figure out how Jimmy G is going to get the ball to Devontae Adams. That's the priority for me, winning football games. And the only way that the Raiders are going to win football games is if the stars step up and the stars play at their level, if not beyond that. Uh, Dave in Union City. How are you, Dave? Go ahead. I'm doing good, JT. First time caller. Thank you. I've been listening to you forever. From the smack off all the way down. Thank you. Great job. Love Thank you. To Appreciate you. that. Hey, Thank you. Um, I want, I am so tired of a quarterback running around for 20 seconds back there. Mm-hmm. Give me an, a defensive lineman, an edge rusher, first pitch, and 
sack the quarterback. Nothing but sacks. That's all we need. You get sacks. It helps the defensive backs. It helps the linebackers. Got to put pressure on those quarterbacks. Got to tackle them and get them down. Yeah, you're right about that. Thanks for the call. Good to hear from Union City. One of my buddy Mario in Union City, one of my favorite callers of all time, if he's listening. It's just amazing with Max Crosby and Chandler Jones. Max is brilliant. He's a first-team All-Pro, in my opinion, that they don't get any production. They don't get any production when it comes to sacks, and they get no production ever in interceptions. I mean, how, do you, how can you be that bad at interception? I mean, how can you be that poor at intercepting the football? I don't get it. And, they, and they're that soft because the defense is soft. You're not going to intercept the ball when you got a guy 20 yards over the middle of the field and no one's near him. You're not going to get an interception. You're going to get an interception when the defense is packed in and tight and they're jumping routes. That's why these two corners, they're route jumpers. I like that. They'll get a pick or two. When we come back, we'll go to L.A. George Sonano from ESPN. ESPN Radio L.A. will join us. He's going to be on a couple of NBA playoff calls. More on LeBron James, the Warriors, and how this plays out. Top of the hour, Damon Bruce will join us. The new Damon Bruce. For those who listen in the Bay Area, you don't want to miss that. And more of your phone calls at 702-365-9200. Remy Martin, they team up for excellence. Oh, my God, the Quantro. How great it is to mix and make a margarita. The best in the business. Nikhil Alexander-Walker up into the front court. Towns pulls the trigger, straightaway three again. He got it. An 11-2 Timberwolves run. 27 for Cat. His fifth three of the game, and the Wolves lead by five with 10.03 left to play. Wolves radio, man. The big cat's the only one left. Timberwolves throwing punches. Guys missing the game against the Lakers as we go to L.A. George Sedano, ESPN Television, ESPN Radio, longtime colleague and friend. George, thanks for coming on, and welcome to the play-in tournament. How are you? I'm good, JT. Just getting ready for my game. I'm calling uh, the Pelicans and Thunder on ESPN Radio on Wednesday. So just, just kind of got home a little while ago and just diving into uh, this game that's coming up. It's a big game because I think those are the type of teams, and I, I like that when you have to play, play your way out of it, play your way into it by winning that first game, seeing what's happening above you, and then the journey begins. And, George, you know, th- you're the perfect example. You're getting paid to do this. You're invested in this, and you're pro-NBA. A lot of people like myself need to be convinced that some of these teams have a shot, not the Lakers, of course, but the teams at the bottom that are just trying to fight through the play-in. What are you learning about those teams as you do your prep? Well, I'm learning that particularly, uh, I mean, the Lakers obviously are a separate conversation, but you look at a team like Miami, for example, right? At the seven spot, similar to the Lakers, they have a lot of experience on that roster. They've had a lot of strange uh, anomalies uh, happen to them this year from a st- statistical standpoint. I'll give you an example. Not much has changed with Miami. If you look at their roster, if you look at their defense, they're still one of the best defenses in the league. The biggest difference was they were the number one three-point shooting team last year, and this year, with the same roster, for the most part, they're the 26th best three-point shooting team. Now, uh, in the last month or so, they're more closer to middle of the pack. And if they shoot middle of the pack, then all of a sudden, 
they may look like one of these teams that could make some noise out of the play-in area, similar to the Lakers. Now, again, those shots have to fall, uh, but if it resembles anything we've seen over the last couple of weeks, they, they could surprise some people. I want to stay with the Lakers, and you're embedded with the team a lot on the radio, and you call some of their games on the sideline. When you see the Lakers now and what they need to do, and what's worked out. I thought they did an exceptional job at the trade deadline. I like how they deconstructed the roster and built the roster. That's really hard to do. NFL NFL GMs don't get that task off, and they got to wait till the offseason and wait for the draft and free agency to do it. What the Lakers did was very bold, and now they're healthy again, and they got a little bit of a chemistry here. Are you surprised how much the media believes the Lakers and my follow-up, the Warriors, have a really good shot to go deep in the playoffs? I don't, JT, because mostly it's because the West, while competitive, is not great this year. Every team has a flaw, and I think that that's what keeps teams like the Lakers and Warriors in this, on top of the fact that they have Hall of Fame caliber players, right? Uh, in regards to the Lakers and that move that they made, now, Rob Palinka has taken a lot of heat as the general manager of the Lakers, and at times deservedly so. And I've certainly given it to him on, on radio in Los Angeles. But I was the first one to credit him with the moves that he made here because this roster that they have now uh, all of a sudden looks like a roster that is fit to be a team worthy of going deep into the playoffs. The question is, can they get that chemistry that you discussed in a 23-game span? Well, they have the best record in the game since the all-star break and the trade deadline and they have the number one defense. So maybe they can uh, pull that off, but uh, I think the playoffs are a different animal and as much credit as Rob deserves for uh, fixing the problems that were created there while he was overseeing that. Uh, I, I think that this team's success or lack thereof will determine who comes back from that mega deal that they made for Russell Westbrook and bringing in guys like D'Angelo Russell and Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt and Mo Bamba, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. I think all those guys uh, will be judged based on the success they have this particular season. George Sedano joins us. George, how many, I don't know how many games you had in Sacramento or covered the Kings this year. As they sat some starters, I thought, rolled over for the Warriors. I get it. They're the three seed. I can't get that out of my head from a gambling perspective and a playoff positioning and the Lakers and the Warriors fighting to stay out of the seven to get to the six. That Sacramento thinks they're like the Jordan and Pippen Bulls, like we're good. We're good the last two games here with the three seed. It just doesn't fit well with me, and you've known me a long time, but I get it. They want to peak for this. How much pressure on Sacramento because the Warriors – Every soundbite I hear from Clay is we can win it all, which means they're not thinking much about Sacramento. Well, I mean, look, I, I get what Sacramento was doing. I think that you need some semblance of rest. I actually think they're going to be feisty. Like, I don't think they'll beat the Warriors, especially if Andrew Wiggins plays. Now, Andrew Wiggins hasn't played in nearly six weeks. So I would imagine there'll be some semblance of rust there, particularly on the offensive side. So you're going into a place in Sacramento that is going to have a raucous crowd that hasn't seen a playoff game in 16 years. So I think game one particularly is going to be a real challenge for a Warriors team that has not been good on the road and has been terrible, frankly, on the road. I think that ultimately they win that series, again, particularly if Wiggins is available. But I don't think it's going to necessarily be easy. I think that Sacramento has real flaws. As I mentioned, everybody in the West does. Their defense is not good at all. They rank in, I think, the bottom 
five, if I recall correctly, on defense. And But they can score the ball really well. Here's what NBA fans or casual fans who just watch the playoffs are going to learn. And it's what they, we learned with the play-in, too, is that people are interested in new blood. Last year we saw that. No LeBron James, uh, highest first and second round we'd seen in many, many years, actually. And the play-in, I think, has played a big role in that because of the one-and-done scenario similar to what we saw in baseball, right, and what we've always seen in football. So I think people like that. But regards to Sacramento, what I think they're going to like is the fact that they are new and they have that story. Mm -hmm. And there's the, the conversation about missing it for 16 years and how crazy that crowd's going to be. And the other part, JT, they play fun basketball. Yeah, they don't play a lot of defense. Mm -hmm. Maybe they resemble some of those Mike D'Antoni Phoenix teams they don't have necessarily a Steve Nash, although De'Aaron Fox has played great, one of the best fourth-quarter players in the league this year, and DeMontis Sabonis deserves at least all-NBA consideration on one of those three teams. But they can light up the scoreboard. They will be fun, and I think there will be some people that watch the Sacramento Kings and be like, wow, I want to watch more Sacramento Kings basketball because they put the ball in the basket, and they're going to score 125, 130, 135 points a night. George Sedano, as we wrap it up, I'll lose my mind if the Knicks don't get out of the first round. And I'll lose it for one reason. Not because not because they're not the, the way better team. It's just all the hype. You want to talk about hype. Everyone at the Garden and all the memes I get and all the tweets and every time there's a celebrity, New York puts it out. Like the Garden will point out, here's our celebrities tonight in the front row. Thibodeau's got to win now. And there are games where they're supposed to play great defense and they give up 140. Julius Randle, him peaking at the right time. R.J. Barrett, Quigley, some of the players that they have have played unique and explosive basketball all year long. But you know you're going to be on these games. It's a different animal in the playoffs. And the Knicks are going to have to do something they haven't done in years. They have to peak and play great rounds of basketball. Do you think they get by the Cavaliers? JT, I think if there was one team that I would pick them to win against in that first round, it was the Cavs. I think mm -hmm. that, you know, I guess maybe Brooklyn at this stage because they're not the same team we saw. But I think the Cavs are a good matchup for them because the Cavs, outside of Donovan Mitchell, don't have a lot of playoff experience. And I think that that is something that I think people are going to need to watch. I think the Knicks' defense can travel. I think the Knicks can win that series. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of Brunson and, and Julius Randle, but I do think the Knicks have shown a propensity to put the ball in the basket more than I thought they could. Uh, they're not just a Tom Thibodeau defensive-minded team that's going to grind you and play in the mud. They're a team that can score and score in, in, in bunches. So I think that that will help them. Uh, I, I don't love this Cleveland team as much as everyone else. I think they have a real weakness, particularly on the wing. They haven't had a real small forward type play in a big, meaningful way for them uh, all season. And I think that you can, you can scheme against them in, in regards to the way that they're going to they're gonna play offense. Um, and you could honestly, we've seen this before, as much as I love Donovan Mitchell as a player, defensively I think he's shown to be a much better defender this year than he had in previous years in Utah. And he was a good defender in college at Louisville. Mm -hmm. But I think because of his size, I think you can attack him and put him in those pick-and-roll scenarios. And we see that in the NBA playoffs now, JT, more than ever, it's less about your strengths and what are your weaknesses and how can the opponent take advantage of those weaknesses. And can you cover up enough for those weaknesses to get yourself through a seven-game series? That's really the game plan. And because Tom Thibodeau has more experience in the playoffs, 
um, than J.B. Bickerstaff. I, I give the Knicks a slight edge. I actually picked them on ESPN.com, JT. Maybe it's the curse of the uh, of the Sedan Dino. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, uh, you, you know, I'm giving you I'm giving you the, the the curse here by picking you guys in seven. Don't let me down because you know I haven't necessarily picked you guys very much over the last twenty years. Yes, yeah, we haven't had to worry about your curse in a good way for a long time. Hey, last one on a kind of fun, serious note. We go back a long way, and your broadcast career is expanding every time I talk. What advice do you give to some younger broadcasters now? Because I'm talking to more and trying to mentor a few. The podcast world, you do a big show on the radio and evening drive in Los Angeles. You're doing your TV work. You know, you're seeing kids come out of college, men and women, trying to get into this business. When you get a chance to have a few minutes with them, what do you tell them about being excited to start off and start off the right way? Well, I would say that they have an enormous advantage over me or anyone else uh, from, you know, our generations or beyond or before, rather, which is you've got YouTube and podcasts and this ability to put out content in ways that I didn't have at that time. You know what I was doing to try to get content? I'd record it on like my, my, my recording device, whatever that was, with a cassette tape or something ridiculous like that. I'd have to play it back and then send those out uh, or, or get content from my early days of work and send those out to random program directors and TV yeah. or radio, whatever I was trying to do. Now you got your own YouTube channel. You can create your own podcast. And you can work the kinks out and build an audience. So I think that that is an inherent advantage. And I would say to anyone, and I tell everyone that I come into contact with, just build your portfolio, right? Like, just keep doing the content and be as self-critical as you can. Don't think just because you got a successful YouTube page or a successful podcast that you can't get better every time out. you got to be really critical of every opportunity that you that you decide to put out content. Like you got to review it. You got to go through it with a fine tooth comb and say, this was good. This wasn't good. How can I make this better? Et cetera, et cetera. And go through those questions with yourself. And you got to be honest with yourself. So I think that that would be it is that they have this inherent advantage. Take advantage of that particular advantage. I don't know if enough people are doing it. Um, there certainly has been plenty of people that, that have, and, and they certainly have, been able to create lucrative opportunities for themselves both online and beyond on traditional media. So that's what I would say. And try everything, right? Write some, uh, do some video mm -hmm. stuff, uh, do some audio stuff, see what you like, see what you don't like. You may actually not like any of that stuff, and you may want to do stuff behind the scenes. You may want to produce uh, a radio show or a podcast or a TV show uh, or a short film or whatever. But you have all these tools at your disposal today in 2023 that were not there even as recent as five or ten years ago. Nicely said. You'll find him on the broadcast on ESPN, ABC, throughout the postseason. And he's great on the radio and a good friend. George, enjoy the postseason. Thanks for coming on with me. Always appreciate you. You got it, JT. Anytime, man. Always a pleasure. Thanks again. Thank you, George. George Sedano, always a good guest. Good to have him on. Coming up next, Damon Bruce in San Francisco as he launches his new platform. He'll have a lot to say. The Niners have a big decision to make. With Nick Bosa and Jimmy G, who we covered in San Francisco, is the quarterback here in Vegas. We'll get to him coming up next. Brought to you by Virgin Hotels Las Vegas.